Before we begin our show, I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, MyFootballNow.com. If you feel like your team is managed by idiots and you think that you can do better, head over to MyFootballNow.com. It's the number one online-rated professional football management simulator. You become the owner and the general manager of a pro football team of your choosing. You can hire coaches, you can draft players, you can sign free agents, and you can also manage the salary cap and additionally put together your own game plan. You'll play against other players from around the world, and best of all, it's totally free to play. Build your dynasty now at MyFootballNow.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fake Pigskin Dynasty Podcast. I'm co-host Ron McLeese, Stat Mad Dog FM. Tonight, unfortunately, I do not have my co-pilot in the seat next to me, Richard. And unfortunately, I hope everything's going good with Richard, and he'll be back on next week. Tonight's guest, we've been waiting for a while to get this guy on. He's at the FF Ghost, formerly known as FF Ghost. He writes for DLF and Rotoviz, and also does some great stuff over there at DLF with the Orange Report. How's it going tonight, bud? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing excellent. Doing excellent. You know, it's it's been. Uh, I was on vacation the past week, and I got a lot of sun, so I'm just trying to cool off right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight on the docket, we were thinking we were going to do a dynasty rookie face-off. Basically, we have some players that um, are kind of similar valued players in rookie drafts. They're probably going about the same places. Um, pulled up a little bit of rankings off DLF tonight to kind of go with the show, and uh, I think we'll start off maybe with the quarterback debate, which is you know a pretty easy one for most most of the guys out there in the dynasty world, and those will be Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. So I think I'll let you weigh on on which which one of these guys would be the guy that you know if you're going for a quarterback in a dynasty rookie draft, which one of these guys are you, you going to go after first, and why? Why do you want them so bad? I'm probably a little contrarian on this, and I don't like to be, but it's just kind of, uh, in this instance, I, I actually like Mariota a little better. Um, and, and the reasoning behind it is, you know, there there is those certain character issues with Winston, and who knows, you know, maybe he got those sorted out, and I, I honestly don't want to be the guy that says, okay, let me, uh, let me draft him and, and see if he's going to be uh, keeping his nose clean, um, especially at a, a, an important position like quarterback. Um, I think his upside is probably better than Mariota's, though. Um, Mariota, though, strikes me as more of a, a consistent player, one that you can maybe expect a little uh, a little less points from, but he's going to, uh, week in and week out, give you those, those exact points kind of uh, consistently. Do you think he'll have more like an RG3 type rookie season or do you think that's maybe being a little too, you know? Yeah, probably a little too, uh, uh, optimistic as far as that goes. Uh, optimistic. I'm trying to think of the word. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, a little exactly. too optimistic. Um, RG3, you know, he had that great rookie season and then kind of fell off. I think, uh, what the Titans will probably want to do is play it a little more conservatively. Plus, he doesn't have kind of the weapons that, that RG3 had. Not to say that RG3 had, you know, a huge plethora of weapons, 
But uh, when I'm looking at, uh, you know, Wright and Hunter and, you know, who knows how quick uh, DGB is going to uh, uh, take up the offense, I, I'd be – I would temper my expectations. Yeah. I, I guess uh, that's a, this is a good debate to have because we're kind of both on the opposite sides of the fence. Um I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of a Winston backer. Have been for quite some time. You know, I, I get what everybody's saying with with the interceptions. We saw that last year. I kind of, I kind of looked to more of the of what he lost. You know, the year before losing Kelvin Benjamin and a lot of those pieces. Uh, Devontae Freeman, even though he was a running back in that system. So I think Winston. You know, he has a lot of growing to do, but I think his situation is obviously set up for him to succeed a little bit faster in the NFL, maybe, in my opinion, than Mariota. And I guess on the other side of the fence, I don't know that I just trust the Wizenhunt crew to to uh, help Mariota mature like he, he should be maturing, you know, at the next level. So, And I could be completely dead wrong on this one, but I just love – I mean, I actually had that decision in, uh, in a draft not too long ago, in a rookie draft, and it was either Winston or Mariota for me. And I went with Winston, so I may regret that later. But for right now, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns and and I at least know that I think he has more established pass catchers on that team, and that kind of gives me a little bit more of a warm, fuzzy feeling. You know, maybe maybe long term, uh, Mariota is the better quarterback. But I, and I guess in dynasty minds, we should probably be thinking that way anyway. But um, but as far as production this year, I definitely think Winston's going to end up thrown a lot more touchdowns and probably a lot more interceptions unfortunately so unless you're playing in a league that gets negative five for an interception or turnover <laughs> i don't i don't think he's going to kill you but <laughs> you yeah just... no, and what's kind of funny too i'm sorry uh no, what's kind of funny too is that this this time last year we were saying um oh kelvin benjamin uh the only reason he uh produced as well as he did was because of of uh uh, Winston. Um, now we go look at how Winston performed, and we look at how Benjamin performed in the NFL, and we go, okay, well maybe that wasn't uh, absolutely true. But on the flip side, uh, coming into Tampa Bay with his kind of twin towers there, you get that similar Kelvin Benjamin esque uh, receiver, uh, probably better honestly. So we could you know, very likely see uh, or return to those kind of stats. So it, it's going to be a, a, an interesting wait and see for sure, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with you. Those are some really good points you're bringing out with Kelvin Benjamin and which side you're looking at as far as that debate goes. Um, definitely good points. So we'll turn to uh, – we'll start off with uh, running backs. And and uh, a little birdie told me that you were a girly guy before the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Rams fan, born and born and bred. Definitely, definitely. That's good. You're Midwestern. That's that's great. Um, so the two guys I was gonna, I was we we're gonna go with Gordon versus Gurley, but I think that would be a slam dunk on both sides. We would both be all over Gurley. So I decided to kind of mix it up tonight and go Melvin Gordon versus T.J. Yeldon, just for the simple fact that I think their situations are both pretty clear set. And, and they're both kind of going in the same type of situation where, the, where they're going to be dependent on a lot in, in their offenses, in their respective offenses for that matter. But um, if you're going to pick one of these two guys and pull the trigger on a running back, since Gurley's, let's say Gurley's already off the draft board, 
which one of these guys would you hedge your bets on uh, for this season and, you know, in, in Dynasty in general? Uh, real quick, just to clear something up. I'm, I'm actually not in the Midwest. I'm out in Southern California. Okay. Where, uh, they were the L.A. Rams. Yeah, L.A. Rams, and I just stuck with them. Uh, but but to your, your question, though, um, I, I'm going to go with Gordon. Uh, reason being, I think he's going to have more opportunity just because that offense is a little more prolific than uh, – uh, the Jaguars offense, and I foresee that being kind of uh, that way for the foreseeable future. Um, like you said, you know, pretty similar skill sets. Um, I, I just think in terms of sheer numbers, sheer mm-hmm. attempts, sheer, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, opportunities. Opportunities, um, It's just yeah. going to be kind of, yeah, it's just going to be uh, – tilted towards Gordon. Um, one thing that I, I also found uh, interesting uh, is in this offseason, uh, I started something new. I wanted to uh, look at comparables of uh, measurables, you know, comparables slash whatever you want to call it, um, of uh, players that were going to be this year and who they were most similar to coming uh, out of college into the draft. Um, players that are currently in the NFL. Um, one thing, and I'll, I'll speak to this on some mm-hmm. of uh, the, the other ones we've talked about here going forward. Uh, the one player that was the most similar to Gordon coming out of uh, college uh, was actually uh, Marshawn Lynch. Now we think of, okay, Marshawn Lynch right now, but uh, it's Marshawn Lynch on the Bills, which was still absolutely yeah. a top-notch player. And if, if you can get a Melvin Gordon uh you know, a player like Melvin Gordon who's gonna has the possibility of performing like Marshawn Lynch on the Bills. Uh, I'm I'm all over that. Yeah, I definitely I, I see the Lynch comparison, and, and I, I would definitely be on your side as far as um, taking a chance on the on the player that's got more upside in, in a better offense. Um, so I'd definitely go with Gordon. Um, it's funny because I thought maybe you would say Jamal Charles because I've heard that comparable also along with Marshawn Lynch. Um, I just don't know if he's as violent of a runner at this point, stage of his career as Lynch was. But like you said, Lynch early on in his career, there were a lot of red flags, a lot of question marks, and he just seemed to fall into the, just the right, perfect situation. And for Gordon, I think he doesn't have to go to the Buffalo Bills. He gets to go to the San Diego Chargers where, just like you said, the offense is already in place. You know, they already have a nice passing offense. You know, Phil Rivers, one of the best quarterbacks I mean I definitely think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks out there and he's just a gunslinger so what he brings to that offense is going to open everything up on the ground that's why I, I definitely I'm all on board with Gordon over Yeldon I like Yeldon's situation as far as the high volume and you know what's funny is maybe you'll appreciate this but <laughs> I kind of compare Yeldon this season I think this season he'll have like a comparable season to uh, Zach Stacy a couple years ago with the Rams but, you know, Zach Stacy, we didn't really know about until a few weeks into the season. He got his opportunity. In this case, we know Yeldon's going to be the go-to guy in that offense. It's just going to kind of be hit or miss from week to week. I think he will, he'll have big weeks, but he'll also have those weeks where he gets 20 carries and maybe only gets 65 yards and no touchdowns. So I think with Yeldon, you know, he's a great player. It's just the offense itself scares me a little bit more, and we don't know what we're going to get from Bortles. We don't know if he's going to be – well, is he going to be the quarterback we saw in the first half of last year or the second half? Is he going to mature 
And how about all those other pieces in the, in the passing game? You know, I love Allen Robinson. I love the upside there. But the questions all stand, you know, with the quarterback in that offense. So, you know, I think Yeldon will have a really good year. But I, I can't pick him over Gordon. So I'm totally agreeing with yeah, you on that no. one. I'm with you on that. And to the, the early uh, Marshawn Lynch now versus Marshawn Lynch and uh Honestly, almost two different players when you look at it. And I've heard the Jamal Charles comparisons before. Running style-wise, I would agree with that. He's not as fast as uh, as Charles. He, he runs in a similar manner. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's it's an interesting comparison in terms of uh, uh, running style being like Charles, but uh, body frame and uh, measurables, uh, uh, comparing almost uh, – very favorably to to Lynch early in, in his career. Right, yeah, that's a good comparison. All right, well, let's move on to our next um, next face off at, at running back. Actually, this won't be two of my two of the more interesting running backs I think in this year's draft class. To me, in my opinion, Tevin Coleman versus Amir Abdullah, and you know these are two guys that are both going into great situations. But there are some question marks, and they definitely have guys ahead of them. So what are your thoughts as far as these two guys? If you're going to invest in one of these guys early, you're probably going to have to burn a top first-round pick in a 10-12-team uh, rookie draft. But which one of these guys would, in the later half of that first round, would you be targeting and why? Um, I'd, I'd go more with uh, Coleman. Uh, I just think that he can actually uh, – stay on the field longer than, than Abdullah. Um, Abdullah, I think he he's going to have to be spelled. He's going to have to come off uh, in certain situations. He, he's not going to be able to get you the, the tough yards, whereas I think Coleman can actually get you those tough yards. Um, Abdullah, he's going to be, uh, from what I see, uh, uh, more of a, a passing back. He's part of the backfield. Uh, and, and Coleman... He does have uh, a Freeman, you know, that he's going to have to battle. Um, but uh, uh, Abdullah, like you you mentioned too, he's going to have his own uh, battles uh, uh, over uh, in Detroit uh, with what Bell, right? Joy Bell. He's, or, uh, yeah. Um, he uh, he's not just going to lay down either. Uh, I, I and they. I, I don't know that he's going to be able to get the volume that uh, is going to uh, present you with a startable back, you know, year one, maybe year two. Um, I think he's going to have to have some things change uh, for him to actually put up the fantasy points that are going to warrant uh, that high of a pick. Right. And I totally agree with you on that too. Actually, I'm all bored on, on Tevin Coleman. He's actually a local boy. And I know a few people that actually went to, uh, went to school with Tevin Coleman so he's in the Chicago area, I know, born and raised. He's just one of those dynamic-type players that, uh, you know, if you watched him in college, you watched him play in the Big Ten, you know, he ripped off some big-time runs, similar to uh, yeah. Melvin Gordon as in, you know, he's that type of running back when he got to the outside and he, just, he would bust a big one and he would be gone. So he hit, he can hit the home run, we all know that. Uh, he was the third player in the Big Ten history with 2,000 rushing yards in a single season. The other two guys... 
uh, ironically, well, one of them we just talked about was Melvin Gordon, and the other one was Larry Johnson. So, yeah. That's, that's pretty great good. company right there. Exactly. Yeah. I was, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I, I think if he can be any halfway as good as, uh, you know, Larry Johnson, I mean, I think he can be better, honestly. But, you know, he, he to me, Freeman's not really that big of an obstacle. In my mind, for Abdullah, Bell is more of an obstacle because, A, he's already proven he can pass protect, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Those are two things that are still being questioned with Abdullah. And also – his ability to hold on to the football and all the fumbles that he had, the fumble titus that he had in Nebraska, you know, there's no doubt this kid's talented. And, you know, when he gets in space, he's that same type player that, you know, if he gets an opening, he, he can, you know, ride it to daylight. So I, I do like a lot of, I see, a lot of things I see from Abdullah. I'm just not as convinced that he'll be handed the reins that, to that backfield and, you know, the the bell injury stuff, I don't know if they're uh, just over, you know, if they're downplaying it or if they're making too much out of it. Um, but he did have a couple surgeries. I was reading about that. So, you know, my, my guess is this guy's going to be ready to rock and roll week one. Abdullah will be more of a complimentary piece. And maybe at some point in the season he does, you know, take the reins over, but I think it's going to be a slower process. Whereas Coleman, I think his obstacle, like we said with Freeman, Freeman didn't really show that much last year maybe second year in the system i mean we do have shanahan to work you know working on our side in that backfield so i mean we've seen what he's been able to do with running backs in the past that have a lot less talent than tevin coleman so i mean that's why i really like this kid and uh i know my buddy uh, dennis dunbar over there the angle angle pursuit um podcast the other podcast we have at fake pigskin loves this guy and uh they just had matt waldman on uh, I think like a week ago, and he was convincing uh, Matt Waldman that Tevin Coleman is more than just a, a cop back, you know. So he did a pretty good job doing that. So there's a, there's a, I guess what I'm saying is that the bottom line is you're either on one side or the other when it comes to Tevin Coleman. You either believe yeah. in him or you don't. <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on uh, to the next. Go ahead. I, I, I kind of feel the same way about Abdullah. Uh, I actually feel a little stronger about Abdullah that you're, you're on one side or the other, just kind of no middle ground in, in terms right. of him. Um, I know it's not probably a, a, a really uh, realistic approach to take, but it, it just feels that way. It feels like he's either going to uh, be fully integrated into their offense or he's just going to be kind of uh, uh, a roster clogger. Um, I, I don't see him being like, hey, I can start him this week and – play matchups or, or anything like that it's just going to be honestly one or the other it feels like you know and another guy that he kind of reminds me of which i actually did like him a lot when he came out was a job at best another foreman mm. former lion uh you know it's too bad his career was cut short but it seemed like you know living in chicago the, the big time the big games he would have were, were always against the bears he would just bust <laughs> up a big run so <laughs> maybe that'll be what amir abdullah does is halfway through the season when they when they play the bears he's just going to break off <laughs> Big time runs. <laughs> I, I felt that way with Best um, going against uh, USC, him uh, out of Cal. You know, uh, as a USC fan, it was always just like, oh man, he would always just be unstoppable. It seemed. Yeah, he definitely had some juice. So we'll move yeah. on to the, to the next round of or next couple of running backs here. We're looking at, and they're going to be probably borderline late first round, early second round rookie draft picks. Duke Johnson for the Cleveland Browns and Jay Ajayi for the Miami Dolphins. And these are two running backs that are definitely 
they were higher. They probably lost a lot of stock. I don't know if you'd agree with me or disagree with me since the whole, you know, draft process began and leading up to that, you know, combine, senior bowl, all that stuff. So they're, they're two running backs that have definitely have question marks, but landing spot, again, we have to look at the landing spot here. So if which one of these two guys are you are you are you more interested in owning from Dynasty? Um, and this is going to be kind of another one of those answers where it's like I, I fall in between, and it's I, I almost feel wishy washy on this. Uh, in in terms of pure talent, um, I actually like Ajay better than than Duke Johnson. I know a lot of people are going to go, "What Duke Johnson? He's a speedster, just you know, uh, can rip off these these incredible runs." Mm-hmm. But I, I feel that at his best, I could be a, a three down back. I don't feel that Duke Johnson at his best can be a three down back, though. Uh, what hurts him even more is going to uh, an offense like Cleveland, where if you aren't a three down back, uh, I don't even feel like I really want to have you on my roster. Uh, as talented as you could be, I mean, you, you have uh, uh, West and. Um, uh, Crowell. Uh, Crowell, thank you. Crowell, yeah. And, and, and Crowell, I loved Crowell coming out uh, last year. Um, so to see now Crowell uh, possibly have his work uh, eroded by a, a back that I I only feel, like I said, is, is situational um, or, or comes off in search, uh, certain situations, uh, that just kind of eats me alive because I, I think Crowell could actually be something really good. Uh, provided he'd be on the right team. But now being that they both have to share uh, the backfield in, in an offense that just uh, doesn't do much for me, uh, hurts not only Duke Johnson's value in my eyes, um, but uh, just kind of presents this like bad taste in my mouth all around. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I'm actually looking at your guys. Uh, I pulled it up right before we started the show. Uh, your guys' rookie top 50 rankings, and I'm just doing top 50 overall dynasty. And one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up is because you guys got Duke Johnson at 16th overall and, and Ajay at 17th. So that's why I think it's just such a great debate. And what You're bringing up some really good points. The situation in Cleveland, honestly, I don't really want to own any Browns right now. Yeah. <laughs> if, there, if there is one Brown or two Browns, I want to throw a few shares here and there, uh, dynasty shares, it's probably going to be Johnson, it's going to be Crowell, because the only thing that I do, I can tell you for sure, is that Cleveland's going to run the football. You know, whether or not they're successful at running the football this year or not, that that, <laughs> that remains to be seen. So, whole different story, right? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, out of the backfield, I think he's definitely, he could play more of the, uh, the Giovanni Bernard role for Cleveland. Now, maybe he shows something more, and I know early reports, which, again, these are just early reports, so you got to take these with a grain of salt, but, you know, they are saying that he's he's been the most impressive running back in the Browns camp so far, so, you know, maybe that bodes well for him, but the other thing about Pedden, I do know this well, is that he kind of, when he has his guy, he sticks with his guy, and he's also the type of coach that, you know, he will play favorites, but to a certain point, if somebody else is out playing the guy that's number one on the depth chart, that week in camp, or, or uh, practice, I mean, he will go ahead and bump him. And we saw it last year with Terrence West. He had a better uh, week in practice. Okay, he would be starting. And same thing with Crowell. If Crowell, you know, had a better week than Terrence West, then he was starting. So it was kind of like, you know, who's hot, you know, right now mentality, which for fantasy owners is, you know, 
it's disaster. So, um, how, how could you forget about all those weeks that Ben Tate was hot too? <laughs> yeah, Ben Tate before they cut him, right? <laughs> before he before he got the boot. But uh, no, yeah. it's not, it's, you know, I, I went back. I've watched a lot of tape on Ajayi, and I, every time I watch a game, him play, like I come away impressed, like just his running style and everything, just the way he runs. So. You know, he's definitely, and I agree with what, just piggybacking off what you said, with three, I'm looking for a three-down back, and I think that Ajayi is that guy. You know, he's that guy that's falling in these dynasty drafts that people were worried about the knees, question marks, and all that stuff. Well, you know, to me, I mean, how we all know a rookie, you know, a running back's, you know, life expectancy in the NFL is already going to be very low. So if we can get three to four Maybe even five good years out of Ajayi in Miami as a run, you know, running back, he could be a good, you know, high end RB two, possibly a low end RB one, you know, in the right situation. So, and not to mention, you know, this guy, he's, you know, in a backfield with only Lamar Miller to beat out. Well, okay, we've seen Lamar Miller. We know, we know who he is. We know what he's capable of. But at the same time, he's only signed for through 2015. So. You know, I think the handwriting is kind of on the wall in, the, in this case, and I think they're going to move. If Ajayi shows what he needs to show and he shows that he can take a pounding and still manage to practice during the week, and maybe there's some weeks he doesn't practice but he still plays and plays great, then you know, I think this is the guy we want to own in this situation as dynasty owners over a guy who's maybe even possibly more talented. It's just the situation sucks. Let's just be honest here. <laughs> so I won't – what what could be interesting too is if uh, they they go and uh, essentially redshirt uh, Ajayi for a year, heal that knee as much as possible. It's never going to be what it should be uh, from the reports that I've heard. You know that whole uh, MJD bone on bone kind of uh, discussion. But if they can uh, let him rehab that knee to a hundred percent and ride Miller. Uh, as much as they want uh, for the rest of the year um, and just bring in uh, Ajay in certain circumstances to get his feet wet a little bit. Uh, I think come next year, you could have a back uh, as close to 100% as possible. And when we have seen about 100%, is very impressive. Uh, oh, definitely. If you're able to get him at a third or fourth round pick, uh, it's kind of a no-brainer in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I think, you, I think you're stealing him at that at that point yeah. in the draft. But, I mean, that's the thing. It's just, you know, it's a high-risk, high-reward type player. I mean, and, and if you watch this guy run in college, yeah, they, they rode him high or hard in, in Boise State. And there's there's no yeah. – there's obviously, I mean, we, we've seen what he's been able to do. Um, he got a shit ton of carries, and, and that's exactly the type of running back he is. So if he could handle that and his knee was already acting up on him, yeah, I, I would be inclined to, to take a shot on this kid and draft him and just see how it plays out with the, with the whole situation with Lamar Miller possibly leaving next year to greener pastures. I mean, he's going to want to get paid. So if he has a good year, like you said, if they redshirt Jaye, then you know he's going to be walking into a great situation come camp next year, 2016. Yeah, so, and, and you've, you've also got to imagine, too, that the medical staff uh, – uh, the payroll with the Dolphins is is got to be uh, far superior to you know a, a school like uh, Boise State. So I'm sure he's going to be getting you know top notch care. Uh, I, I honestly think uh, things are going to work out for him in the long run. I think so too. I mean, there's just too much talent there to to, to let go. And 
I mean, I think Dallas has got to be kicking themselves for not draft, drafting a Jaye and taking a shot on his kid because, <laughs> or anyone, <laughs> or anyone for that matter. There you go. I totally agree. So we can we, we we're definitely in the same camp here with Jaye. So that's good to hear. So we'll, we'll move good, on good. to the next round of uh, running backs here on the faceoff. We have these are two guys actually. Um, I'm really, I really like both their situations. Mike Davis for the San Francisco 49ers and Matt Jones with the Washington Redskins. Um, and I'll let you start off with, with, with your points on these two guys, but, um, I will say Mike Davis is a guy that I've been high on as a sleeper for quite some time, but Matt Jones is picking up a lot of steam. So how do you, how do you feel about these two guys? Which one, which one do you see as a more better long-term dynasty, uh, investment? Well, you know how I know that you and I aren't in any leagues together? is the fact that you asked this question because every league I'm in, just like crazy. It's clockwork. It's second round. Whatever my second round pick is, it's Matt Jones. It's just nonstop. Um, I love his running style. I love uh, the, the fierceness with which he runs. He's got the great hands, which have been raved about uh uh, by the Redskins uh, during uh, OTAs. Um, and going back to my, my comparables uh, uh, work that I was doing, this this guy stood out to me based on the two players that were most similar to him. He actually fell right in between them. Those two players were Jeremy Bell and Le- uh, Le'Veon Bell. If you can get a player that falls in between those two players, oh, man, I'm on that all day. And uh, if he just has to beat out Alfred Morris, uh, yeah, Alfred Morris, great runner for what uh, the Redskins need and have needed. But let's be honest, he's not a, a, a pass catcher. And, you know, people like to point to, oh, well, he's caught, you know, X number of balls. That's great. But if you compare him to any number of other running backs that uh, are uh, starting for their teams, he pales in comparison in terms of, uh, you know, number of targets, number of receptions. It just isn't even close. So what I've been hearing is a lot of uh, Matt Jones taking on kind of a, a Roy Hallou, uh role where he comes in on passing downs. And I think once we start to see him um, uh, on the field in the NFL, I think he's going to start to uh, erode Morris's work to the point where um, come Morris is just – year, if I'm correct. And at that point, I, I think they just said, well, we see what we have in Matt Jones. Let's just ride him. So uh, I, I actually really, really like uh, Mike Davis. It's just I, I'm, you know, ready to have uh, Matt Jones's baby at this point, fantasy baby. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I mean, you make you bring up some valid points, definitely, and um, maybe I'm, I'm missing the boat a little bit on Matt Jones. I definitely like him, and I like the situation. I guess maybe my issue is is that Alfred Morris is more of a proven commodity, and the fact that um, even with Roy Hallou when he was there, you know, he he got the reins for a short time when he was a, his rookie year, I believe, and he he showed some things. He had some some big games, and he has a lot better hands than Matt Jones. So I'm not saying that Matt Jones can't become that type of Roy Hillou, uh situational back, at least this year. Um, I just don't know that he was asked to do that much in Florida, and, that, and that's no knock on him at all because, like I said, you know, that Florida Gators offense in general was, was, was terrible. So, 
And I, I think a lot of that, um, I, I'm not going to hold that against him. So I definitely, everything I, I've seen and watched on Matt Jones, I'm, I'm coming away impressed. You know, he's got a good all-around football IQ. Um, to me, though, he seems to be more the rhythm back. You know, he's, he's been productive in the past when given a full workload, and I guess that's all that really matters when it comes to fantasy terms. Um, so I think I re- was reading something in four four career games with 20-plus carries. He's averaged 160 yards and a touchdown. So obviously these are college numbers that I'm quoting here and, and looking up. But there, there's, a lot, there's a lot to like about Matt Jones and his game. Um, very aggressive. I, I was waiting for you to say something about Marshawn Lynch because I know the the Redskins GMs already compared him to uh, to young Marshawn Lynch, you know. And if he's doing that, then you know maybe he is turning a lot of heads in camp. And maybe you're right. But I, I guess my love is for Alfred Morris, and I I, I just don't want to <laughs> give I don't want to give up on him, you know. But at the same time, I got to look at the situation and I have to be realistic. There's a reason why they're drafting this kid. The only concern I would have is, um, you know, if they don't sign Alfred, re-sign Alfred Morris after the season, he bolts somewhere to get paid, and and then they draft another running back early in the draft, and then he has to compete with Matt Jones. So maybe it's another Atlanta situation in Washington next year where, you know, the, the lead back's gone, Matt Jones is supposed to be the man, and he looks good, and then they draft, I don't know, a top 15, use a top, you know, first-round pick on a running back. So... You know, kind of like the Tevin Coleman situation with Freeman. So maybe that's kind of in the back of my head. But, you know, on the other hand, Mike you know why, that, you know why that's in the back of your head? Because you're embarrassed and you guys drafted uh, Kadeem Carey last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, then this year went and drafted, uh, 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 whatchamacallum, uh, 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 Lang- Langford. Uh, Jer- Langford. Yeah. yeah, Jeremy Langford. Yeah, so if that happens, then, yeah, uh, Matt Jones. Uh, his his uh, value evaporates pretty much overnight. Um, but yeah, uh, exactly. If, that, if everything goes that it, the way I hope expect it to go, then uh, I, I, I just oh man, I, I can't uh, get over my love for him, man. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're you're as in love with Matt Jones as I am with Mike Davis, and and I'll tell you the reason with Mike Davis. Um, you know, I wrote a piece, my first actually article of fake picks and was on Mike Davis. And I just kind of fell in love with him because I was looking for, I was scouring for like a running back that really fit the bill as far as a deep sleeper in this draft. And I know we, we, all, we all know this, this is the deepest running back draft class we've seen in years. And it's great for all the fantasy owners out there because there's so many diamonds you can find in the rough. And that's, that was the title of my article was Diamond in the Rough, Mike Davis. You know, this is, this is who this kid is. And I think, a lot of people are going to downgrade him on draft boards based off of his 2014 season, and that's fine because this kid was playing with injuries. He, you know, the year before, if he, you know, if he was eligible and came out in the draft, he would have been probably a top. He would have been one of the top running backs in, in out of last year's class. I know that's not saying much because, you know, who, who's he competing with? Andre Williams and the Sankeys of the world. But even so, you know, I, I like him because he, to me, he's got that MJD type body. You know, he's a power runner. He runs with fire determination. He runs downhill exactly like Matt Jones does. Matt Jones, that same type of running back, runs downhill. He'll bowl over people. And I don't know, maybe part of me is, is not believing, buying into the Carlos Hyde hype. You know, like, I just think everybody assumes that Carlos Hyde's the man. He's going to run with the job. And he's, he's the man. I mean, also look at Reggie Bush signing. Well, that doesn't really scare me either because Bush, he's just an injury away, an ankle, or who knows what, and he's sitting out. So, 
I mean, I, I just don't know that Hyde is uh, a proven anything yet. B going to be able to stay, stay on the field, you know, and C hold off an angry Mike Davis who I think is going to come back, you know, this year. He's, he's already in great shape. Um, I also what I like about him is he, he only fumbled the ball. I think. 200 and some carries in 2013, he only had like three fumbles. So he protects the ball well. Um, he's pretty agile on his feet, and he's got a nice burst, I think, for his size. So there's a lot of things I like about him. So I'm I'm like you. I'm ready to have Mike Davis's baby. You're ready to have <laughs> Matt Jones' baby. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll go to preschool together. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, I actually took Mike Davis a lot in Debbie uh, uh, leagues. Uh, what was it? Uh, I guess – but this time last year, um, I, I agree. He he is a great talent, and, and like I said, I am not discounting um, Mike Davis at all. Uh, I, I really do like him. Uh, I just kind of have this unnatural crush on Matt Jones for some reason. Well, again, looking at your guys' rankings, you uh, Matt Jones twenty seventh overall, and Mike Davis twenty ninth. So I mean, we're splitting hairs here, and I think we can both agree that both these guys are great investments in dynasty and i would probably want to have both of them on as many teams as i could have them on you know honestly definitely i i, I was able to accomplish that in one uh, draft just recently and i was high-fiving myself just non-stop oh hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice when you can do that you know yeah, usually absolutely. usually that guy goes right before you you're like you got him all queued up ready to go and like right before you you get sniped and it's like Oh, what do I do yep. now? You know, hopefully you have that, that, that fallback option, you know, plan, plan B. So, all right, well, we'll move on. I think we chew those two guys up pretty good. Some good stuff. Definitely. And, uh, the last, uh, last round of running backs facing off here today are, uh, we have Buck Allen for the Ravens, which I'm sorry you're not here today, Richard, to uh, talk about Buck Allen with us <laughs> versus David Johnson, who's actually, uh, I know your guys' competition over there, uh, Burgundy Dan Burgundy over at uh, DFW. This is his guy, which we had him on the show a few weeks ago, and he was really tooting his horn. And I know a lot of people are. So, um, but again, he's kind of like Abdullah from the aspect that you either love this guy or you you're not on board at all. So, I, I'm I'm curious to see what your take is on these two guys and which one you would prefer to own. Sure. Um, when I wrote uh, the Orange Report, uh, I had Buck Allen fairly low in my running back rankings. On the flip side, I really liked David Johnson, but I feel he went to a situation in which he's not all that different than the guy in front of him. So I, I as a USC fan, uh, I'm, I'm all for Buck Allen getting that, that chance, that shot, because, uh, I mean, let's be honest, for set, he's getting up there uh, in age. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't have that many years left until he hits that that uh, magic 30 spot. And uh, or God, he's, I think he's maybe only a year or two away, actually. Um, so, Buck Allen is that kind of run back, that dash mouth running back that you could put in there, get those tough yards for the Ravens. Uh, so... Uh, I really like Johnson uh, and and had him higher uh, in the Orange Report than uh, than Buck Allen. Uh, it's just the situations in, in this instance uh, uh, kind of pushed me uh, uh, towards Allen. So 
in short, you, you, you would definitely, even though you're a USC fan, so we'll throw that bias out the window, you would still, <laughs> you would still take Buck Allen over David Johnson is what you're saying, basically. I, I, I would, uh, just based on situation and uh, uh, what looks like future opportunity uh, for him. Uh, I think uh, Allen has uh, a lot more direct uh, uh, path to a larger workload and probably a, a better starting situation than, than Johnson would. Well, let me ask you one more question since you are a USC fan. Uh, you probably watched him play a lot. Did he, I mean, were you impressed with him running in college or do you think that he was the type of player that, you know, kind of, they only did what, he only did what they asked him to do per se or was he, um, yeah, no, honestly, he didn't strike me as like, hey, this is going to be the next, you know, NFL superstar. He, he did enough for them that it wasn't But there wasn't anything where I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is the guy that's going to be, you know, raved about forever. Uh, but he is that type of back that I think uh, Baltimore could use and exploit well, honestly, he, he he has enough speed to to be dangerous at times, but he also isn't uh, someone who's you know uh, strictly situational either. I think he can be used in in a variety of different ways. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I, I'm kind of torn on these two guys because I was kind of on, on the one side where uh, you know before I had Dan on the show, Dan Hines from DFW on the show. I really did not, you know, he kind of sold me on David Johnson, I'm not going to lie, and he brought up a lot of valid points with David Johnson, but I'm still I'm still kind of agreeing with you as far as he seems to be that same type running back that uh, Ellington is, and I think barring an Ellington, I want to know what the splits are going to be, really. I mean, I know nobody knows that right now, but, I mean, if we just knew what the splits were, it would be so much easier to make this decision, but... I think, I guess, short term, I think maybe this year, who has more fantasy points this year, I think it's going to be David Johnson. But I think maybe on the long term, dynasty, as far as dynasty goes, I think Buck Allen, I would have to agree with you. I think the situation warrants um, an, an investment in his stock just based off the fact of what you just said. I mean, four sets how? I mean, he's on the, he's 30 years old. I mean, I think they signed him to a three-year contract. And and I think, remember what Richard was saying before, because Richard's a big Ravens fan, and uh I believe he said the way they have that contract set up is where if, if they cut him in the second or third year, they're not going to lose a lot of money. So basically, if he doesn't perform like he performed last year, this year, you know, he could be on the next bus out of Baltimore or on his way to who knows where, you know, maybe hang, hang up a spike somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> I, I like what I, you know, like I said, I haven't watched a ton of tape on Buck Allen, but, I, you know, from everything that I've seen and, and read about this kid, I, I think that, uh, he could be one of those players that kind of surprises us, maybe, you know, kind of to the same uh, situation as, say, like a, a Alfred Morris when he was given an opportunity. Obviously, Buck Allen went to USC. Alfred Morris went to Florida Atlantic. I, mean, I know that those schools are big difference there, but um, I just think he's still a running back that's kind of flying under the radar in a lot of fantasy circles, and I think that should change. But the other guy, too, Talaferro, I'm, I'm not – I have zero faith in Talaferro, so I think yeah. for him to go up to second on the depth chart shouldn't take that long at all. It should only take no, a couple, couple Talaferro fumbles, and <laughs> he uh, should be uh, in it'll there. It'll probably happen in the preseason, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and, and it's, the cream's going to rise to the top. So, I mean, as far as that's concerned, I think, hey, I mean, seeing what, what I've seen from Mark Trestman and what he does with running backs, um, if you can catch the football and you can pass protect, you're going to be on the field and you're going to get plenty of snaps. So that's why I think Buck Allen's a really smart investment, you know, based off that situation and based off the coaching staff that he has. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm kind of hedging my bet towards Buck Allen, and that's, you know, maybe because I believe that Andre Ellington still got something left in the tank and they're not going to fully, uh, you know, it'll be more like maybe a 70-30 split. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll split them out more. But I just don't – I see if Ellington's healthy, he's going to be the guy that's going to get the majority of the totes in that offense. But, um, I mean, I'm sure they'll try to divvy up a little bit, try to keep him fresh. But that, that one's a tough one, man. It really is. So I, I'm going to yeah, lean towards Buck Allen on this one. Um and I guess at this point we can move on to, uh, unless there's any other running backs you want to touch on, we can move on to wide receivers. Sounds good. All right. And, well, let's let's start with the best at the top. I mean, these two guys uh, are arguably, you know, if you're picking a wide receiver in a, in a rookie dynasty startup draft or a, or a rookie draft, you're going to pick on one of these guys, Amari Cooper for the Oakland Raiders and Kevin White for my Chicago Bears. So <laughs> I'm anxious to get your take on these two guys. Which which one? Uh, we don't have a USC player here, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'm going with uh, with your Bears on this one. Um, the Raiders uh, are are the Raiders. I mean, what, what can I say about that? And I'm sorry <laughs> to the Raiders fans out there, but uh, I don't know that Cooper's going to be there for all Jesus to take them to the promised land. Uh, there's just too many issues with that team, whereas Kevin White, you can plug into the Chicago offense and uh, put, you know, at least uh, comparable numbers to Brandon Marshall. Uh, I'm not going to say he's going to get Brandon Marshall year one or year two, but by year three, I have no doubt he's going to, you know, easily those numbers. Um, Cooper, though, he's going to be just in a whole world of, of, uh, of you know, uh, how do I put this? Uh, uh, a whole world of her uh, playing for the Raiders, in my opinion. There's just there's just so many issues that seem systemic in that uh, organization that I, a player of Cooper's magnitude, uh, due to the fact of where he lands uh, down the road. You know, maybe after his rookie contract, he can go somewhere else and he can just, you know, take take the NFL by storm again. But uh, I don't see it year one or year two. Uh, I, I would be really surprised if he hits eight, 900 yards uh, receiving uh, in, you know, year one, possibly year two. He could probably get over that. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that you're going with the white side and – I'm glad to hear that, actually. <laughs> so, so we can agree yeah. to agree again on this one. No, Kevin White to me, uh, if I'm looking on talent alone, an upside alone, I want that guy who's who's got more upside. I, I still feel like, I mean, there's people that will argue this and all day long and say that maybe Cooper has more upside, but I think Cooper to me is just a safer play. I mean, he's he's safer maybe because you know he's going to get a shit ton of targets in that offense but at the same time what you just said has me a little concerned too it's like it is the Oakland Raiders here so I mean I think we have to 
temper our expectations a little bit, pump the brakes a little bit here, and see what we have in a team that really, I mean, when's the last time they really had a receiver that's done anything that's really been a dependable option for us? I mean, I, you know, it, it's been a long time. So, um, you know, he's definitely going to be, he's going to get the targets. He'll be a target monster. But I like the situation with Kevin White. I mean, this kid's just a beast. I mean, he's he's at 6'3", 215 pounds, super freakish athlete that, or target that Jay Cutler, I mean, I know you're giving the Bears an endorsement, but I mean, we got Jay Cutler still our quarterback, and I know, you know, that's not a lot to be proud about. You know, it's just. But one thing that Cutler does, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, is Cutler does not care. I mean, when he believes in his receivers, he will chuck the ball up, he will throw it up there. He has that that mentality where go up there and get the football, and that's exactly the type of player Kevin White is. So, I mean, you were saying it just now. You think, well, not. I don't think his numbers will be as good as Brandon Marshall. Well. You know, we might be shocked to see that he actually does have a better year than people expect him to have because I think a lot of the attention is going to be on Jeffrey opposite White, and it's going to open things up for him. Not to mention they have Bennett, you know, over the middle as as long as he reports to camp, you know, <laughs> gets over the money <laughs> the money issue. But I, I just don't know what there isn't to like about White and his situation. I mean, I guess the short track record, a lot of people are going to say, you know, Oh, you know, he really had only one big season where he showed something, and we can't even name his quarterback in college. So, I, you know, not that it's important. So, at this point, I'm going with the upside, and I'm going Kevin White all day, all night. Uh, you know, ten times out of ten, I'm going to go Kevin White. So, you know, it's just good to hear that from you, bud, because I'm like, I have that Chicago bias. So, <laughs> oh no, well, well the I, three things. Uh, let me clear up the first one. I I wouldn't. He's surprised if he outperforms Brandon Marshall, but I think a good baseline is, you know, just under Brandon Marshall's numbers. If he surpasses it, I, I will have yeah. uh, next to no surprise. Uh, second thing, uh, I, I got to go also with the, uh, you know, uh, West Virginia uh, University uh, alum, since we already have two of them on the Rams, uh, we had Tavon Austin and Stedman Bailey. So, uh, no, uh, I, I like what they're doing uh, out of West Virginia. It's funny because it's it's quickly becoming the, uh, the similar to the Baylor wide receiver factory in in West Virginia. You know, and I love it, man. I, I it's awesome to see these guys just keep coming up and and uh, obviously we haven't seen the best from Austin. He's still a work in progress, but Bailey showed a lot last year. So I mean, they they keep churning these guys out, and I think uh, you know. Only time will tell how good they're really going to be when it's all said and done. But uh, it's definitely it's definitely exciting, and this it's going to be an exciting rookie to watch this year. I'm, you know, he's already yeah. making, making waves in camp. Everything I've been hearing about White, and it's kind of hard not to hear that stuff right now where I'm at. But is uh, it's all good stuff. So, um, and I think even maybe if a quarterback change did happen, I don't think he would suffer that much. Um, I think they've been talking up Clawson a lot recently, and um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying but, how much how worse could it get than color? But I mean, if you're a yeah. Bear fan, you've already seen the worst, the worst. So it's like, all right, <laughs> you know. But I definitely think that um, you know that that type mentality, just throw the ball up, go get it. You know, he'll he's got that my ball mentality. He will high point, high point the ball, and he'll be an excellent red zone option for him when they get down there you know if Jeffrey's 
getting bracket coverage, double coverage, then, you know, it's going to go to Bennett or it's going to go to White. I mean, process of elimination is pretty easy to see. So, um, yeah, so, yeah. And then on the, on the plus side, too, uh, you were mentioning, you know, well, Cutler being Cutler, and, you know, uh, as, a, as a Bears fan, you know, it just kind of is what it is. But uh, when you're taking White, the good thing about it is you don't have to worry about uh, uh, Cutler's interceptions. You just got to worry about the rece- uh, the receptions. Period. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a good point you're bringing up. So we'll uh, we'll move on to the second uh, round of uh, wide receivers we have here on tap and recently injured, but still great option. Devontae Parker for the Miami Dolphins versus I'm going to guess your guy USC <laughs> former USC wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. Uh, I'm, I'm splitting this one honestly. Uh, if I'm if I'm taking value, I'm, I'm taking Parker all, all day. Uh, the community as a whole, they're they're all over Parker, and Parker is a, a great talent, uh, no doubt about it. However, I think uh, when it's all said and done, and they actually get on the field, I think Aguilar uh, after after maybe a season or two uh, will probably be at least uh, equal to, if not surpass. Uh, Parker, just based on the situation, uh, I think the Eagles have a, a lot more high-powered offense um, than uh, down in Miami. With Miami, you're going to have Stills, and you're going to have uh, what Landry. Now you're, you're going to have to feed those guys too, and then you're Parker in the mix, who's going to demand his own set of, of uh, uh, receptions. So now you're going to have three guys that have good potential upside. Uh, versus over uh, with uh, Philadelphia, you have Jordan Matthews and what uh, Josh Huff, I guess. Uh, you know, people are talking him up a lot lately. But Miles Austin, slot... <laughs> yeah. If, if he yeah, makes no, the team, yeah. I'm just How saying. How could I forget about him, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny both those situations. You know, I'll let you go on. They both have some older veterans in the fold, which. With Greg Jennings in Miami, we don't even know if he's going to make the team. And yeah, same forgot thing about him Tom. too. Yeah, so I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I just no, no, no. And it, it, it's I pretty much am at the end of that rant. Uh, it's just I think Aguilar could probably be slotted in as the number two right away. Uh, Parker, you know, who knows where he fits in right now? Like you said, there's there's Jennings there too. Maybe he makes the team. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? You got Stills. You got Landry. It's just you know. Where does he fit in? And if we're looking at last year's numbers, uh, I don't even think that Miami is is all that uh, has has all that much more offensive production. Uh, they might even have less than Philadelphia last year. Uh, it just, in terms of situation, I think Aguilar probably has a lot more direct shot to uh, immediate fantasy relevant uh, immediate fantasy relevance. Um, whereas Parker, there, there are a lot of question marks. Then you also have factor in the injury too. Um, not saying that that's going to be any kind of long-term thing, but you know, it just adds to the question marks. Where uh, value-wise, like I said, fantasy-wise, in terms of value, Parker all day. But in terms of uh, long-term fantasy production, maybe even immediate uh, short-term production, I think Aguilar uh, uh, is going to surprise a lot of people in terms of uh, actually where. Uh, he's going to get his points from. So you would say long-term you're going to take Aguilar or Parker? Aguilar. Uh, Aguilar. 
yeah. uh, short term in terms of value, uh, where I could probably flip uh, Parker for mm-hmm. uh, some extra value. Uh, I, I'd go with Parker for value. Yeah. Well, I, there's definitely a lot of targets there uh, to be had, and you know now with the departure of Jeremy Macklin. Um, I, I did want to ask you one question about Parker. As far as do you see his um, the foot the foot injury, the foot surgery? Um, I know the timeline right now is kind of fluid, kind of up in the air. Miami's saying right now he's going to be ready week one. Um, are you are you concerned? Do you look at this? I mean, I guess there's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but do you look at it as maybe a buy low opportunity to go out and get Parker from these dynasty owners that have already drafted him with their first round pick and kind of you know test the water and kind of and see what you can get or see what it would take to get him, or do you see this as something that's going to set him back into you know now that he's not going to be practicing regularly, he won't be ready, you know, quote unquote, ready to hit the ground running week one. I mean, is this something that you would be concerned about drafting him or you're trying to sell him as a dynasty owner or you want to still hold? No, it's a weird dynamic in that uh, there's there's probably an even split in the fantasy world that says, okay, this is a great buy low, like you're saying. The others are saying, well, it's a foot injury on a receiver. Those tend to be really uh, – uh, problematic, you know, uh, they can linger for a long time. Uh, you don't know what the timetable is in terms of uh, healing. So those people say, I, I want to get rid of him, you know, at a fair price. So there's this weird dynamic where you have half the crowd definitely saying, oh, this is a great buy low. The other saying, uh, we got to temper expectations of what we're going to expect out of this guy, both in the short term and possibly long term. Uh, I'm kind of falling in the camp of just wait and see. I'm not drafting him. I'm not picking him up. I'm not moving him either if I have already drafted him. I'm just kind of uh, towing that middle line where there there are question marks. There, there's, there's no doubt about it in terms of situation, in terms of uh, potential offensive production, in terms of uh, uh, injury concern. There's definitely a lot, a lot of uh, moving parts there. I guess for uh, me... I guess for me, and I, I I agree with you on that on that on your take there. Um, I am actually in that situation where I had I had the 107 pick, and this was like this draft started. It was like three weeks ago, so I, I was sitting there debating between Parker and Aguilar in, in for quite some time, and I just it was it was a tough decision for me. I finally went with Parker, but I kind of wish the draft was now, not then, you know, because because I probably would have gone Aguilar instead. Now knowing what I know now, but that's just the nature of the beast. So that's the situation you get in as a fantasy owner. You, you know, with these rookie drafts, you're drafting early before OTAs even start, and then you have an injury like this happen, and then you know stock starts going down. So I mean, I definitely, um, I'm definitely going to hold on to Parker. I'm definitely not going to sell him right now because I would feel like I would be selling low on what he brings to the table. And I guess maybe long term, I'm, I'm more, I'm more excited about Parker. Than I have Aguilar. Maybe that's just because I haven't seen as much Aguilar as, as you have, being a USC fan. But what I've seen from Parker, I like, and you know, this guy's been, you know, he's probably got some of the best hands in this class. I mean, he only had like, he's only had like three drops in college since like 2012. I mean, that's unbelievable that what this kid's been able to do. I mean, I know he had Teddy Bridgewater um, throwing him the pigskin for quite some time, but you know, he didn't have him last year, and he. He was set out how many games with an injury. He still he still managed to put up uh, 
he still managed to catch 43 passes for 855 yards and five TDs, and that's like six games. I think he played the final six games of last year. So um, I, I don't know. It's the upside to me. We are splitting hairs here, and I guess I, I'm going to agree with you as far as um, definitely short term. I think if you want to win this year and you're you're, you're you know wanting to get the higher uh, upside player. That's going to help you win this year. Aguilar's that guy, and I don't, I don't think anybody's going to argue that one. They they shouldn't be arguing that one. Um, I just when I'm looking long term, I see Parker is maybe when everything else is a little bit more clear in Miami uh, and Tana, if Tannehill keeps progressing. I mean, they locked Tannehill up, so I think with that situation, Parker's got nobody standing in his way to be the number one wide receiver, um, and that's that's kind of why I I, I prefer to have Parker. Uh, long term, and with Aguilar, I'm just kind of still kind of a little uneasy. But I know the situation, the the opportunity he's going to have there is just going to be phenomenal this year, and it could be for quite a few years. So we'll just have to see. I mean, I guess the other thing for me, Sam Bradford. I mean, he's we don't even know if this guy's going to be start week one. So I mean, okay, we've seen Mark Sanchez do it before. So I guess from that aspect, maybe even without Bradford out there, maybe he's still he's still going to put up his numbers, but that's in the back of my head too. Is the only reason I brought it up. Yeah, you could have a USC and USC connection there too. <laughs> That's true. This is true. <laughs> With Sanchez, I don't think they ever crossed over, but uh, you know, uh, uh, being both Trojans, they they probably have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, I actually wanted an, an expert uh, fantasy football league last year, dynasty league with um, Sanchez as my quarterback and Carson Palmer. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable, man. It just goes to show that quarterback, you can win with those quarterbacks if you have the other pieces in place. So, and I had some, I had some good luck on my side too. So, yeah, I would say <laughs> what it's so. Worth. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds like garbage. It does. It really does. <laughs> yeah, and that's a USC fan going, oh wow, that's. Eesh. I guess a miracle happened. <laughs> no, I'm just. Well. I think we chewed those two guys up pretty good. Um, there are two more receivers I wanted us to touch on tonight, and uh, this is the last face-off for us, and that's uh, Philip Dorsett for the Indianapolis Colts versus Jalen Strong for the Houston Texans. Uh, what's your take on these two guys, and, and which one are you uh, going to be investing in? Uh, it's tough. Uh, uh, I think it's really... Uh, uh, tough to, to not endorse that's just pure raw talent. Uh, dude is incredibly talented. Uh, strong uh, definitely, you know, has his his pluses as well, and he has that immediate uh, straight line shot into kind of uh, uh, his starting position with uh, Andre Johnson gone. Uh, you know, he, he's going to jump in day one, whereas Dorsett, those those mutter uh, those uh, waters are a lot more muddy. Uh, where you've got geez, that, you've got Andre Johnson on that side now, and you got uh, you know Hilton, you've got uh, Mon- uh, you know, uh, a ton of uh, uh, other guys. Uh, uh, it's just a really muddled situation. And Duran Carter there too. I mean, who knows what's going to go on? Um, a lot of people are saying, well, they're not going to be able to re-sign Luck. And T.Y. Hilton, so they're saying, okay, Luck is 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 the guy that's going to get signed, and there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to sign Luck. 
But I think they will work something out and actually be able to get Hilton as well. I, I just kind of have that feeling. Um, but th- those people are saying, okay, well, Dorset is just going to take over for, for Hilton. It's just a you know, foregone conclusion. But I actually think he fits better in Reggie Wayne's uh, old old uh, position in, in the slot. Uh, doing my comparables again, and I, I go back to these because it's just it's very interesting to see uh, who these rookies uh, compare pretty favorably to. Uh, in terms of you know pure measurables, uh, Norsen with uh, Brandon Cooks. So if you put him in that same you know, same role in a slot receiver kind of role, you keep Hilton. That's dangerous as, as all get out. So um, with with a kind of a uh, hedging my bets, I'd have to just go with Dorsett, um, just based on the, the potential that's there. Uh, great skill set, and if they can use him uh, in a slot role, uh, and he produces anything like how Brandon Cooks did uh, for the Saints, uh, you've got to take that all day long. Yeah, I, d- I definitely think you brought up some great points there with the slot, with them looking for you know, the heir to the throne with Reggie Wayne gone now. Um, and I think definitely Phil, they can develop Philip Dorsett to be that guy. And, yeah, something something in the back of my head says it screams the same thing, too. It's like, why would you let, you know, Hilton walk? I mean, this this is, I mean, he's a centerpiece of that team. And granted, you got Andrew Luck. You can throw the pigskin to anybody, but, you know, they're not going to have the Hilton-type game to to them so i mean that this is a player that they got to do whatever they got to do um to keep him on their roster so and i think they will but again there's the other side there's the other you know side of the fence where everybody's saying that there's it's not going to happen so um i personally i mean i'm going i'm an upside type guy and i'm going to go upside all day all night and in that offense i would be willing to roll the dice and gamble either way if they don't re-sign Hilton, you know you got yourself a gold mine in Dorset. If and even if you, and if they do, I still think that this guy can put up those type of numbers to warrant you know a wide receiver too. You know, so I, you know in that offense, it can definitely support more than one wide receiver. We've seen it in the past, and I think we'll see it again in the future. So it's just a matter of how how fast they bring this kid along and what those other pieces, what they do with them. You know. We'll, because, I mean, Duran Carter, I mean, hell, he probably won't even make the team now at this point. Moncrief's going to be boomer bust from week to week. Hasn't really proven that much either. So uh, there's definitely room for Dorsett to, to show something, you know, if given the opportunity. Um, you know, and thinking back on it, this faceoff, I kind of regret not putting uh, Perriman's name in here instead of Strong because I'm not really a big Strong supporter either. Um, I guess it depends on the situation, but... As far as Strong goes, I think he's going to be more of a wait-and-see type um, pick, and I don't think we're going to see much from him early in the season. Um, as far as Dynasty goes, still great investment, but um, in that offense, <laughs> who's throwing the football? That's, that's the major question mark, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, we don't have much time left, but yeah. what would have been another good face-off would have been uh, uh, DGB uh, and Perriman. I think that would have been a real good one right there, honestly. Yeah, well, I don't know how much time we have, so... Yeah, no, no, I, I honestly got to go here pretty shortly, but uh, no, maybe maybe next time. <laughs> maybe next time, yeah. 
And actually, I, th- I think we both can agree on the, on the on the Dorset side of that debate. Um, it's been really fun tonight chewing the fat with you, man, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know Richard appreciates it too. It sucks that he couldn't be on tonight. To uh, yeah, no, I, I send my my best wishes on to here, man. Uh, one quick note: we did we did see that uh, the Titans released Sean Green. I did have a question about uh, from one of my. Actually, one of the guys over at DFW was asking me. <laughs> now, David Cobb, he says, David Cobb will be rolling like a warthog in a skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line, man. I had to steal from no, my buddy. No, that, that, that absolutely is. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a, a good, uh, you know, five mid-range right now is Cobb. I mean, what does mm-hmm. he got to do, beat out Sankey? I mean, I don't think that's all that difficult. Exactly. So, yeah, that, that was my buddy Josh Johnson over at DFW. I know your guys' competition, but I know you guys get along good. So. Oh, yeah. No, it's all good. The fantasy world is big enough for, for lots of us. Exactly. You know, people out there that have different opinions on varying you know, on different players, you know, you've seen a lot of USC guys. I mean, I'm in the Midwest. I see a lot of the Midwest guys, so in the Big Ten, SEC. Mm-hmm. So, again, really appreciate you coming on the show. If you, if you don't already follow FF Ghost on Twitter, you can follow the FF Ghost. And again, he writes for uh, DLF and Rotoviz. Um, make sure you take the time to go over uh, to DLF and uh, download and check out the Orange Report. So uh, he, I think he was saying that he'd been doing doing that for like three years now. So it's definitely something I would re- highly recommend. Again, if you don't already follow me, I'm at Mad Dog FF. And if you don't already follow the Dynasty uh, Fake Picks and Dynasty Pod, we're at FP underscore Dynasty Pod. And obviously, hopefully next week we will have Richard back. I sure hope he's back, so uh, he can make fun of me and our guests. So <laughs> always uh, keeps it entertaining. Having, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, great conversation. I really enjoyed it a lot. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely want to have you on again. And uh, anytime you're free, just let me know. But uh, again, if you're not following uh, the guys I just said, also my co-host Richard. At Richard Jandrin, I know you're probably following, but if not, I'm going to sign off. Any other words, anything else you want to say tonight? No, uh, I guess I can come back next time. I'm not trying to have Matt Jones' baby. (laughs) Oh, I I totally understand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, until next time, I really appreciate appreciate you taking the time coming on the show. and uh, It was a great time, and we'll uh, be in contact. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Yeah.